0: welcome to the south plains church of christ podcast to stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved visit southplains.org i pray that this message reveals god's truth and love to you today let's dive in it's a fair question how do we know if the resurrection of jesus is real Well, there were eyewitnesses. How reliable are eyewitness accounts? Again, a fair question. Interestingly enough, modern science has some answers. Back in the 1990s, there was a lot of attention paid to, a lot of questioning about the accuracy of eyewitness testimony. And we are now realizing that it can be quite accurate. The key with the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection is that it wasn't just a couple of people. Hundreds, hundreds of people saw Jesus resurrected. So the Apostle Paul wrote his early letter to the believers in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15. I passed on to you what was most important, And what had also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said, listen, he was seen. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have died. And then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I'd been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So Paul and 500 plus witnesses. Here's the context. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Greece because, well, because they had some questions about the resurrection. And he basically says, yes, 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 Jesus is resurrected. If you don't believe me, there's 500 plus other people who saw him and you can ask them. Most of them are still alive. Interestingly, there is no archaeological, there is no historical reports of people saying at that time, the resurrection is a hoax. There were plenty of people who didn't like what was happening with the movement around Jesus Christ, and they were fearful of what might happen in the Roman Empire as it swept through. But you don't find anybody saying, these followers of Jesus made this all up. It's not real. It's not true. People knew there was a man named Jesus who really did come back from the dead. In fact, Jesus' own brothers believed in the his own, wait, listen, stop. His own brothers, you got brothers, siblings, they believed in his resurrection. Now, they were not followers of Jesus before the resurrection. There has to be something to this resurrection. He's claiming to be God, and his brothers believed it. And all of the eyewitnesses believed it. You see, if Jesus was a good man, but now a dead man, it does us no good. But if he is God, the Son, resurrected to life, he is the only salvation we need because the resurrection changes everything. Now, his disciples were actually a gloomy group of cowards following his crucifixion then jesus rises from the dead and they go conquer the roman empire through proclamation and through church planting think about that let's conquer a nation how will we do it through preaching and church planting yeah it's got to be a better idea that's how it happened because that's how god worked Now, Paul went on to describe the resurrection body in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Here's his picture. He said, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they are raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. So the resurrection body is incorruptible. Jesus redeems us, and we are brought into his presence in glory. An incorruptible body. think about it. No disease will take you down. It's incorruptible. A glorified body, no sin, will take you down. An everlasting promise of God. God will keep you for eternity. This is the resurrection promise of Jesus to you and me. He was resurrected so that he can offer you resurrection. What was corrupted is now pure. What is dishonorable is now glorious. What is weak is now eternal. When Jesus redeems you, your resurrection isn't an indefinite extension of your physical existence. If you stop and think about that very long, that's a nightmare. No, no, no. Resurrection is not a continuation of your physical existence. Your salvation in Christ transforms you completely to a new person. We don't want to just continue our human biology of our bodies here forever. That's 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 terrible. This is Jesus making you a whole new person. And through Jesus' resurrection we experience glorious freedom from death and decay. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Go read that again later today. In verse 2 he He explains how important the resurrection really is. It's the cornerstone of our faith. It is a fundamental of our faith. If you don't believe the resurrection, you really can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is a critical element of who we are as Christians. So let's answer the question... How important is the resurrection really? During Jesus' earthly ministry, you see the Sadducees, these were people who denied miracles and therefore denied resurrection. You see the same sentiment during the age of enlightenment when the world's greatest thinkers denied resurrection. And you can see it during modernity. From the influence of Darwinism, moving away from belief in resurrection, and today, in postmodernity. Honestly, can I just be honest for a moment? <clears throat> People will prepare for a zombie apocalypse before they believe in the resurrection. I mean I get how difficult it is. It is a leap of faith. It is it does require faith. But there is one miracle that God wants for every one of us and that is for every one of us to experience resurrection. Everybody needs the miracle of resurrection because no one no one escapes death. And death is often unsettling to us, isn't it? Because, because we can't control it. We try to control it. We try to extend life forever, but we can't. Death exists for everyone. It haunts us. It's, it's this shadow that threatens all of us. Death is that stalker that's, that's always behind us, creeping up, always upon us? But through Jesus, death opens up into eternal life. That's what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. Death doesn't have to lead to Darkness. Jesus' resurrection can bring you into the light. So God wants everyone to experience the resurrection. Now, there's a problem. There was a problem in this Corinthian church. It was a fairly new church, a fairly young church. And apparently some believed that there is no resurrection, just as there has always been people who don't believe in resurrection. There's a major problem today. In fact, there are people who believe there is no hope. Well, we live in a dark time. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. I'm glad we come together this morning to celebrate good news, but there's a lot of bad news in our world. And there are numerous, many people who believe there's no hope for this. But see, if you, if you believe in the resurrection, there, there is eternal hope. God, God has the answer to this sentiment of humanity. Is there really any hope? Yes, there is. The promise of resurrection. Well, Jim, is resurrection really that important? I mean, can't we salvage the Christian faith without resurrection? I mean, Jesus. Maybe you know, metaphorically he was raised. Uh, Figuratively he was raised. What if Jesus? What if Jesus just rose again in the hearts of the apostles? Now these are all questions people ask. So I'll answer this way: Say your wife wants you to install a ceiling fan. Now knowing my skills, that's pretty ridiculous. But what if I say to her, you know, honey, I'll install a ceiling fan, metaphorically. I don't think that'd get me very far. What if your landlord says, hey, you've missed a couple of rent payments. It's time to pay up. And you say to your landlord, I'll pay the rent, figuratively. You're Probably going to find your stuff sitting on the front porch. What if you tell your children... I love you allegorically. Or you tell your boss, I'll work for you symbolically. I don't think that'll work. (laughs) Folks, Jesus literally rose from the dead because God quite literally loves us. And that's how important this is, it's real. When Paul writes, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of. You are still dead in your sin. It's a matter of life or death. It's a matter of rescued or lost. Your confidence has to be in the resurrection of Jesus in order to be reconciled with God, to be redeemed, to be saved. So this morning, let's again, go to the empty tomb and peer in and hear it the way Matthew records it in Matthew 28. Early, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards, the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there. Remember all that I've told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but they were also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Two women, both named Mary, approached the tomb of Jesus. Now, they had been present at the cross and witnessed the crucifixion. And now they're present at the tomb where he had been... They were present at the tomb when he was buried. And now they're about to experience the resurrected Jesus. You see, the curse of death is twofold. Death, first of all, is failure, and death is also final. Failure in the sense that we all sin, we all fall short, we all die. Sin leads us into death. Sin always kills. Death is also final. It's, it's the end. There is no second chance. Death is death. Death. So Mary and Mary come to the tomb with spices to anoint the body. They know the tomb is covered by this large stone. Can you imagine what's going through their mind as they carry these spices, wondering, who's going to help us move the stone? Probably take three grown men to, to move that thing. They really don't know, but they, they come anyway out of love and loyalty to Jesus. But God is already ahead of them. Just like he's already ahead of you, preparing and working in the future. And when they get there, they don't face an immovable stone, but rather they see the glory of a holy angel. The horrors of the cross turn into the surprise of an empty tomb. Forgiveness through the blood of Jesus on the cross. But life comes through the power of his resurrection. In fact, the resurrection is the hinge. Of our hope the world will say there is no hope or they'll ask where is their hope the whole world's hope hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ that Jesus defeated death and because he did you can have an eternal viewpoint that's optimistic. You can know your future. You can have complete assurance in the presence. You can have hope for the future and hope in the here and now because of the resurrection. Don't be afraid. That's in there twice. Verse 5, the angel tells him. Verse 10, Jesus tells That's easier. Don't be afraid. Easier said than done. I mean, think about what's happened here. A violent earthquake shook the whole region. An angel descends like a lightning bolt. The trained mercenaries, men of war, are reduced to like crying children. It's quite the scene. That was death's futile attempt at trying to hold Jesus But the stone was moved by the angel. Not because Jesus needed the stone moved so he can come out. But because we needed to be able to look in and see the empty tomb. You need a miracle to be saved and Jesus is that miracle. Mary and Mary approach the tomb with a sense of finality, the final thing we can do for Jesus. But they leave knowing victory. Just as we began this service singing, through the miracle of the resurrection, come, come, come and see. Becomes, now go and tell. The angel invites Mary to see the empty tomb. Come and see, verse 6. And then the angel instructs her, go and tell, verse 7. Come and see becomes go and tell through the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus. The celebration of verse 6 becomes proclamation in verse 7. If you have experienced the miracle of resurrection, then you must share the miracle of resurrection. The key is that celebration and proclamation are always tied together. And how does the adversary deceive us? One way is by believing fulfillment is always found within us, that we are our own fulfillment. We've got to look inside. We celebrate ourselves, and therefore we proclaim ourselves. You don't believe me? Have you ever noticed people's social media pages? It's all about about themselves, isn't it? Celebration of yourself becomes proclamation of yourself. And I don't say that to try to make you feel guilty of taking a selfie. Go take a selfie. Hope you do. Take one of the whole family today. But here's the point. Celebrate Jesus so that you will proclaim more of Jesus. If you celebrate Jesus, that is who you'll be proclaiming. That is what we do in communion every Sunday. We celebrate Jesus proclaiming his death and the fact that he's coming again and we leave here to do it in the world how do you celebrate Jesus by worship worship well wherever you are that's not just Sunday morning that's wherever you are Jesus wants you where you are you see these two Marys and how they greet Jesus in verse uh, verse 9 that's following the earthquake. It's following the lightning. There's nothing grand about the introduction that Jesus gives. He greets them greetings. Hello. He's at their level, he's at your level. There are no holy words, no religious jargon, no theological treaties given. It's a common hello. And they respond by worship. And he responds in verse 10 by assuring them and telling them, now now go tell his disciples. Where were they? Where were the disciples? They deserted Jesus. How does he describe them? Mary, Mary, go tell those quitters. Go tell those cowards. Go tell the faithless, spineless, losers, cynics, Doubters, go tell them. No, that's not what he calls them. Remember what he calls them? Go tell my brothers. We're family. Even in our failures, even in our fear, God's love is greater. God loves you. And he will meet you right where you are. He calls you to follow him so that God might give you the greatest miracle of all, resurrection. Some of our shepherds, Ken Rainwater and Charlie Parrish will be down here. Roger Mara is up in the balcony. Brian Pittinello will be in the prayer room off the south foyer. you. We'd love to talk with you about what your next steps with Jesus and following him are. We'd love to pray with you about those concerns on your heart this morning, we'll close celebrating Jesus in this song so that we might leave and go and tell. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.